Today's episode of Does Not Compute is sponsored by Datadog. Out of the box, Datadog integrates with over 200 popular services like AWS, Postgres, Slack, and Kubernetes. By providing a unified view of all the app systems and services in your stack, Datadog makes it easy to visualize and act on your data. Datadog's tools include alert forecasting, end-to-end request tracking, and anomaly detection to help you make sense of the firehose of data coming from all your services. Their pre-built and fully customizable dashboards mean you'll always have your finger on the pulse of your most important metrics. Datadog can even be easily extended to talk to any custom services you might need to integrate with. Thousands of companies collect, visualize, and alert on their metrics using Datadog. Check out datadog.com slash does not compute to learn more. Sign up for a free trial, and when you create your first dashboard, they'll send you a free Datadog t-shirt. Make sure to visit datadog.com slash does not compute today to try it out. Okay, one, two, three, four. Oh, you counted to four that time. Yeah, switching it up. Yeah, I was recording you or... Know me, you know me, very spontaneous, always always trying new things. I was writing a song earlier today in 7-8 time. Hmm, that go well? Uh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four. It's weird because I'm counting in my head. I can't say seven. I have to say sev. Other When I say seven, it's already bound to the one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just shorted up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It's weird. I'm trying to like learn how to write in different time signatures and it's difficult and, uh, confusing, but good practice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true with any sort of creative pursuit, just trying a different, a different approach, a different angle. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at it always makes you grow. Even if you don't like it, that doesn't have to be something you do every day, but just trying it out and, and messing around with it will, will give you new ideas in your day-to-day experience with that medium. Yeah. And it was interesting, uh, noticing like when I first set the metronome up and the tempo was pretty fast. So it was, it was fun. It was hard, but fun to try to keep up, you know, keep, keep head counting with it. And then, Noticing going from having to headcount everything to being able to kind of feel uh, feel it more, uh, so you don't have to kind of like think about the counts. You can just kind of feel the counts if that makes sense. Um, and it helps to after I had some had written some drums, put some drum uh, beats together. That also helps too because it's a lot easier to write to something like that than just a straight metronome click. But it, I can't do any music stuff until there's at least like a kick and a snare. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but I've been trying to do that more. I mean, Logic makes it a lot pretty pretty easy to drop in a drummer, and you can at least have a basic beat in any sort of time signature. So you can change it to whatever time signature you want, and then the MIDI just updates. And you have the drummers <laughs> the the drummers in Logic crack me up in recent versions of Logic because they all they like have fake bios and stuff as if yeah. they're actual musicians that you're hiring as studio musicians. It's really funny. It's kind of goofy, but I don't know. They're it's loosely, a fun, fun yeah. Thing. They're loosely styled after existing session drummers, <laughs> right? Which I think is funny because you can tell who it is. <laughs> but the the terminology, I think, like all most most, especially with guitar effects software, most things are like that. So they can't obviously use. So if they're going to have like a Mesa boogie tone, they might just call it boogie. Like they can't use the word Mesa. Most of them don't use Mesa, so it's usually some variation of boogie. And then you kind of have to figure out, oh, that's that's probably a Mesa head. 
Uh, or one of the Mesa right. heads. Yeah, all the pedals in Logic are like that too. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty fun to, to – I try to confuse my mind sometimes and see if I can keep up. Yeah, yeah. I love I love trying new stuff like that. It's always very fun. Yeah, I've been listening to more – I mean, I listen to a lot of metal and not all metal has polyrhythms. A lot of them are just probably, you know, pretty straightforward beats. Um, but I've been listening to – uh, I don't even really know if I'd classify this as metal, but I got into Tool recently and I never really listened to them before. I'd like heard some of their songs. Uh, but I find like the time signature is really interesting and the time signature changes because each song or most songs have changes of the time signature in them as well, which I thought was always interesting. So I'm trying to figure out like how does Maynard write his melodies on top of that stuff? How does he, because he structures, he has a very specific way of structuring phrases in his lyrics. And it's interesting listening to him sing on top of Tool records, which are all over the place in terms of time signatures. And then you listen to him sing over a Perfect Circle song, which is relatively straightforward rock. Uh, and he carries over that that interesting phrasing. And so it's 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 cool to listen to it over something intricate versus something that's more straightforward. Oh, the 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 wording you're saying has a different like feeling based yeah. on what he's putting it over. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, he'll tend to do things like he'll tend to like leave a word off the end of a phrase and start the mm-hmm. next phrase with that, uh, like complete sentences and different phrases. Uh, I don't know. I just find it really interesting to listen to some of the Pucifer, like his other band Pucifer uh, songs are interesting too. Like a song called "The Remedy" has. Uh, pretty interesting time signature. I like the guitar work a lot on that song and the drum work a lot on that song. Um, but the voices are really cool because he has a, it's him, he sings, and and I can't remember her name, starts with a C. Uh, but she, he has, so basically there's a female, not really a backup vocalist, but like a co-vocalist and they have some really cool melodies they sing together. I haven't listened, I'm just, I'm thinking about this and I haven't listened to any of these bands ever, I don't think. I yeah. know of Tool only because Tool is one of those bands that people, you hear people talking about. <laughs> But I never, I have no actual experience with the band itself. There's, okay, so there's like a stigma that the Tool, average Tool fan has placed upon them. And also some of Maynard's antics. Uh, he's sort of an abrasive individual or can be very abrasive. He likes to push people's buttons. And so if you, if you sidestep all of that stuff and listen to the music for what it is, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I would recommend it's always good to starting deeper, with I suppose. <laughs> the 10,000 Days record if you're going to do that. Um, it's also interesting because they, I mean, so they're around before digital music and so you can't actually buy any of their stuff digitally. You have to buy physical copies of it. They're still not selling it anywhere. No. So I don't know if that's a label thing, um, or what, but yeah, you can't get it anywhere online that I'm, that I'm aware of, not even like Apple music or anything like that. You can't buy it. It has to be physical copies. And I mean, who has CD drives anymore? I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't even know. I would, unless they were selling vinyl, I wouldn't even be able to play that anywhere and certainly not in an rv if it was vinyl sure yeah it's yeah it's interesting i I haven't like tried to research all that stuff but i know that you can't get it it's like hard to get any of their stuff online um in i get like i get that artistically i understand that you might i don't know you if if you're from a different era you might have reservations about things or even if you're from this era like there there are legitimate reasons to to be wary of digital distribution and especially like with streaming instead of actual mp3 downloads or something uh, that's even it's interesting less tangible, to right? like, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like if you listen to, if you get into Tool at all, um, you think like, okay, this was like the 90s. And this band, uh, I mean, so like what was popular then is, is obviously like 
what I think of that, I think of like songs that were on, like when I was on the school bus, like Alanis Morissette and stuff like that. And then you got like the grunge and all that happening. And then you have bands like Tool and Tool, like they hit, they multi-platinum band, like millions of records. And it's interesting. So if you think like if Tool came out today, would they, I mean, number one, like bands don't really go platinum anymore unless they're just gigantic because people don't buy records. But number two, just the type of music that they were at the time, it's pretty wild to me that they got that big. Yeah, 90s, what what could be extremely, extremely popular in the 90s is really weird because the whole aesthetic of everything that was popular in the 90s, at least a lot of it, was like, we don't want to be popular and we hate we hate this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, Nirvana is obviously probably the biggest example. Is this a music podcast now? What ha- <laughs> it what? could be. Are we, are, is everything all right? What's happening? <laughs> uh, it could be. It's oh, just interesting. Man. I don't know. Because I listen to, I like to listen to a lot recently when I program or when I work because it's like one long, it's also before iTunes, before like the singles were the thing. Uh, and I, it's it depends on who you talk to because some people are like, oh, singles were popular before that, you know. But like really iTunes enabled the mass markets to purchase one song at a time. And so they kind of deconstructed the uh, the single. And uh, so when you listen to music, uh, some music before that era, the record was really like one long song. Songs kind of flowed from one into the next. There was it wasn't like a complete thought to complete thought to complete thought. It was more of like a the record was a complete thought. And it's right it's, sentences in a paragraph. Yeah, it's fun to listen to records like that while I'm working because you just kind of like zone in kind of like drone in again a little bit and uh, I don't know, get into his zone. It's pretty, pretty fun. That's how I've always been with, with music and working. Like I, I, I've always just listened to albums just because that's kind of how my parents listen to music, I guess, probably. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, whatever it is, even if it's not a super cohesive album, if it's not a super cohesive album, chances are I won't listen to it that many times, honestly. But if, if I have an album that is just like, it just flows really well and, and, and just has a nice, I don't know, 50 minutes or something like that. I'll just set that on repeat and work from dusk till dawn. Yep. <laughs> it's like that. That's like absolutely the way I'm most productive. It's just a, a yeah. really good album on repeat and just uh, the quiet, the quiet of night. Yeah. I do something similar. I don't work at night as much. I like to, but I don't. Um, but if anyone finds my last FM, they'll be able to see how many times I listen to one song or one record and I go through phases because it's like one band will have a ton of plays and then the next month it'll switch to another band having a ton of plays. Yep. Uh, and it's funny cause friend of the show, Zach Kelly, uh, he, he like send me screenshots of my last FM history. <laughs> And yeah, it's just, it's just funny. Cause he'll make comments on it. Uh, because I think we talked about this before, but you once made a social network. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about that. Not on a, here, not on yeah. Here, but yeah, <laughs> you were working at, well, one of our clients at Octopus, they wanted to build a dating site that was based off of music matches and your music compatibility. And you use Zach Hilling and I as the, um, as the match because we had yeah, like so a, I had to I had to write an algorithm that determined like whether or not people would be a good match for each other based on their musical tastes and a, a fairly big component of that is how much overlap there is and yeah you guys were uh, most people I looked at trying to trying to build this thing out with it like I think it was like thirty percent was pretty average mm-hmm. and you guys are like eighty five pretty close 80, 80 to ninety yeah it was ridiculous I it's uh, <laughs> I thought it was an okay algorithm I don't know what's going on with that company anymore but. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. They tried to pivot too, too many times, I think. But so like we, I would come into the office and I put something on and he would come in and it would just be us because we'd get in there early. And so we would always listen to the music that we liked. And then the, the, it wasn't almost always like the dev designer split like this, but the designer would come in and change it to some yuppie pop band, <laughs> uh, some San Francisco pop band with like heavy synths and stuff. And that's fine. Like I can enjoy that, but it was just like almost as, um, how how do you what's that word I'm thinking of like if if, if you're gonna be a designer and walk into a studio and put some music on like it's you could almost guarantee that at that point it was gonna be Tycho or the like um, we listen to <laughs> we listen to so much Tycho in that office good lord Tycho and L ten I still can't put that album on I love that album and I still can't put it on yeah man <laughs> it, yeah just anything anything I can't even like washed out was another one I think. Uh, and one of my favorite moments was when a client came down from the city one time and they actually remarked cause we had the garage door open. And so we had like, like the, uh, me and I think Josiah or somebody else were like sitting on the couches by the, the front of the garage door and they walked in and they're like, it doesn't get any more Santa Cruz than this. Uh, because they had like washed out blasting and then like people, <laughs> like we were just like bumming around on some couches with a laptop <laughs> And uh, some people were like sitting around eating food or something, and there's like a dog running around outside. That's uh, does sound just like Santa Cruz, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, that's that's funny. Eighty five percent match on music. Shout out to Zach Kelly because we still uh, he like whatever. So he told me that when he gets to the office, he'll click play on whatever I'm playing in Spotify, and I do the opposite. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, a whole a whole continent apart, and you're still you're still matching those tunes. Yeah, yeah, we still message each other about it all the time. But yeah, I mostly <laughs> listen to like polyrhythmic. I listen to a lot of heavy music. I don't know why. It just kind of it gets me into a some sort of weird zone. Polyrhythms, math, math metal, um, anything like that. I like to listen to. We were t- we were talking about our artists switching like month to month. I feel like my genres kind of rotate on a on a bit of a longer time scale. Mm-hmm. Just kind of naturally, I guess, as I'm going through different artists, right? I, I'll, I'll go from one artist to, and it'll be like, "Oh yeah, I haven't listened to." They'll remind me of somebody else, and I go listen to them for a while, and then they remind me of somebody else, and then I'm eventually just in a totally different genre months later. Sure, yeah, I do. I my genres don't really travel that much, to be honest. It's usually like switching between pop punk and metal of some sort. I mean, the metal is a very like broad genre, but uh, it bounces back between two people. Tell me, I have the musical taste of like a teenager, whatever that means. Uh, but um, I don't know it it like it switches between the two I guess uh, every other every couple of weeks or something like that but I don't know what it is I don't like I don't listen to any pop music I don't really listen to any I listen to some hip hop here and there um, I've been getting into the Black Panther soundtrack and Vince Staples and Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar um, but yeah it's mostly heavy music yeah it's important it's important to find what you like and I feel like it's really important for me to find new stuff when I'm when I'm doing work because I it's a, it's a weird balance like if, if something is too new and too interesting then I get distracted while I'm trying to work but like I'll I'll you know catch an awesome riff in something or just an interesting chord progression whatever and just kind of get absorbed in it or some really cool lyrics and have to go read them and and think about them for a little bit and so that that could be counterproductive but it can also be really nice to get into the zone with a new album. I don't know. There, there's. It's always a. It's always a tough balance for me there. Yeah, yeah. So I use I use Spotify's Discover a lot. I'm pretty much the only tab I ever live like that. I that I go to in Spotify. I don't ever leave the Discover tab. And 
I'm trying, like I try to, but I just don't, I don't, I don't, like I said, I'm not really, I don't care about the popular music at all. Um, or like a lot of the playlists in the coffee shop style music. I don't really care about that stuff, which is what Spotify has a lot of. I don't really, I, I don't really care for EDM either. There's some tracks that are catchy, but as a whole, I don't really care for it. But I pretty much just live in there. And what sucks about a lot of the metal stuff is there's a tons of derivative music there. And I can't see, it's not that you can't be original in metal, but there's, you know, people like to stick to a subset of sounds. And so when I find new records, it's hard because it's like, okay, well, this is, this may be a good record that's produced well or something, but it's, it's really, it just sounds the same as all the other records that are out there that are being marketed the same way. Um, but yeah, I just need to, I need to do that. So really I just have like the staples that I, that I go to. I started building playlists and so I have different moods. So I have like, um, I have like a Nine Inch Nails inspired one. So there's like Nine Inch Nails tracks on it, but there's Nine Inch Nails sounding tracks on it as well. And uh, for example, this is really interesting to me too. Uh, the new Under Oath track uh, has very, has a lot of Nine Inch Nails vibes on it. And that was because Spencer, after Under Oath broke up the first time, Spencer started a band called Sleep Wave, which was like a little bit more like modern, not modern, but more streamlined, more um, consumable Nine Inch Nails, but more a little bit heavier. And and it's interesting because you listen to the new Underworld track uh, um, on my teeth, I think it's called, and it sounds a lot like Sleep Wave, a little bit heavier, and they still have the Nine Inch Nails vibes. So I've been building a giant playlist that has a lot of songs like that because I like that style. Yeah, I need to listen to that track a couple more times. I, I just gave it like one listen through when it dropped and watched the video and whatever. Um, and it's good. I just I need to give it something with music. I for the first usually like five or ten listens, I have a hard time developing a whole lot of feelings about mm-hmm. tracks either way. Yeah, especially a band like Under Oath because this is a different right. sound for them, and we grew up listening mm-hmm. to them. And uh, we saw them live a couple of years ago, which is pretty cool on the reunion tour. Um, that was such a great show. Yeah, but it's different. It's just interesting because you think about, okay, now they're all in their 30s and a lot of them have kids they are grown up, so different people. And so the music, the writing is going to sound different. It's just funny listening to people like lose their minds like, oh, they sold out. I'm like, no, man, they didn't. This is just a really nicely produced record, like track. So Yeah, that that's baffling to me when people do that. It's like, do you not, do you want them to just keep making the same music for the rest of their lives? Like you don't want them to grow and mature and be better people and and different people that's yeah. like that's the whole i that's the whole point of life right yeah yeah i don't know it's such a strange way to think about music it is it is it is but but yeah so like that's how i that's that's what powers my development is that and coffee and uh <laughs> that's what gets the work done so you said you're using spotify you like you like spotify the discover stuff you think is is really it's a good algorithm it's okay. It's hard to change it once it's set in its ways. Um, mm, okay. Because I mean, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but like I've, I've never found anything that really replaces audio for me. I, I right. always had really, really good luck with their heavy rotation, um, their algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and nothing that I've used since then has really gotten it. I feel like I have a much harder time finding new music now unless I'm just like browsing around on Bandcamp or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Spotify feels like a generic relation when it recommends you music. Um, and even then, some of it's just completely broken. So I'll have I'll have some playlists and it'll start recommending completely random bands. Like I'll have like a, a Nine Inch Nails playlist and then like Kendrick Amaro will pop up in their recommended songs. And I'm like, what is... <laughs> this, is this is very different. Um, 
So I don't, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a very generic version of maybe what RDO was doing. It's been a long time. That I've had a hard time remembering RDO. Um, the one thing I do remember about it was that it was always uh, sluggish on whatever computers I owned. But apart from that, it was a great it service. It wasn't always. For a while, it was it was great. And then like for the last <laughs> last year or so, the app just got, I felt like it got slower and worse every <laughs> release. There's more stuff. They just oh, put, push stuff RDO. into it. But no, it was good. Yeah. yeah, but Spotify is like, I mean, it was all right. Uh, I, I, I left Apple Music. I like Apple Music a little bit more because I know it pays artists more. And I still tend to buy music um, from people that I want to support. But I left Apple Music when, when iTunes was, it was all broken. I don't know if it's still all broken, but it was pretty broken. So I got frustrated it's, with it. It's still pretty broken. It's not good. It, it's been bad for, I mean, it's been bad since it came out, but it's yeah. been especially yeah. bad for years now, I feel like. Yeah. Since what, nine, nine or 10 was like the big, the last really big revamp. And I just, it, it's not. It's not good, man. Yeah, I mean, I ditched when I started. I, I saw a few like Ember error screens. I was like, "What in the world?" Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's when I that's when I took off and got Spotify. But it, Spotify's all right. It's not amazing. It works. It um doesn't destroy my computer as far as I'm aware. And uh, the remote feature is also nice. Uh, it's like when I'm playing games on my PC, I can use my phone because I usually have music playing like lightly under the background. So I'll use my phone to switch songs and stuff like that. But yeah, the the, the algorithm is very, very much a generic algorithm. So for, like I was saying, the Discover tab, especially with the style of music I listen to, it all sounds the same. There's not really any uh, any fresh sounds in there. And I don't know if that's just the genre, if that's just the state of the, the industry around that genre, or if it's the algorithm that's being um, that's surfacing these records. But I tend to like have the main staples that I listen to, and I don't stray very far from them. I mean, I give uh, I give Apple Music grief, but honestly, it's not so bad. Really, a lot of the issues are just like navigational problems. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to jump to all to viewing all of an artist's albums in Apple Music from your library. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just stuff like that is difficult. But their their recommendations have actually been a little better recently. I feel like there's the there's this like for you tab where they'll show different mixes that they algorithm up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of those are not bad for me now. Yep. But the main issue is it still doesn't make it, it – that, that makes it easy to like go through the stuff I've already listened to, but it, it, the new recommendations aren't great. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all about discovery for me. Yeah. Mm. I wonder how big the team is that works on that on iTunes. I wonder how – because so, like, I look I at know, I look really at software sometimes, and I think about okay, how big was the team that built this feature? And it sometimes it feels like there's almost a direct correlation to a larger team and a more fragmented feature. Yeah, I think it's either way too few people or way, way, way too many people working yeah. on these apps. Right? There was that article. I'll have to look this up for the show notes. Um, but there was an article recently that was talking about how uh, Hair Force One, Craig, right? Hair, I just remember that Twitter handle, Craig, Hair Force Craig One. Battery, yeah. Was yes. talking about how they want to <laughs> they want to focus on release quality for the next couple of updates and focus on um, fixing things and not necessarily adding a bunch of new things in but streamlining what they currently have, which I think was a great idea. And it was interesting also because in the article it was talking about how the engineers were always stressed; they were always behind schedule. They always had something else, something new to work on. So they went from being behind schedule to behind schedule to behind schedule. And obviously, that doesn't lend itself to good software. That lends itself to uh, stressed out people 
uh, introducing bugs because there's a timeline that says something needs to be done by this time. Uh, and so I was really happy to hear about that. We'll see like what happens on the follow through <laughs> if things get better because I've been having tons of little bugs with my computer uh, as we've been talking about. And uh, I just, yeah, I just would like, I would love to see that um, become a thing that happens where they update slowly and think more about quality. I mean, you and I working on DK, I've been able to slow down a little bit because you're, you know, we're just more productive. There's two of us. There's more work getting done. And I feel like the the updates that we've been working on, the code that we've been working on has been higher quality, which is, which is great because there's a lot of things in the application where it's kind of like when a friend comes over and you're like, all right, just shove everything under the bed and uh, we'll fix it later. <laughs> But you're coming over and you're staying and I have to, you have to like, I have to get something out from under the bed and then you see the under the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. And then I'm holding a box that's, and I'm like, oh, can you go under that. the bed and get this other box because I already have this box in my hands. That's kind of what it feels but like. For sure, but first you're going to need a vacuum under there before you can go under and get this other box. But for sure, put the knife on, on the Roomba before it goes under there because you don't know what's in there. <laughs> just, for sure Just in case. I saw a video of that. I sent it, I, sh- I shared it in the the. DK twist of someone slapping a knife. They said, I think the caption was like, when you hear, be- when you hear noises under your bed and then it pans to a Roomba with a <laughs> knife on it. <laughs> oh man, you got to stay safe. But yeah, no, but I, yeah, I, it's, it's been a little bit of an underbed, underbed situation yeah. for sure. But I think we're making good progress uh, overall. I think mm-hmm. we're, I think we're leaving things better than we found them in pretty much, pretty much every case. Mm-hmm. which is a good, like, it's good to have the time to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, it feels better. It feels better, and I think everyone on the team can tell, too, because they, they messaged me about it, which is awesome. It's nice to hear. Um, so I just really want to finish that context refactor because we talked about it, and I, I think it's going to be good, and I've talked to several other Elixir developers that I talked to, and they said it sounded good. Um, I just have to finish this other site first, which is killing me slowly, but... No, it's mm. as far as the week has gone, it's been weird because I haven't been able to work on Design Collective and I want to. So it's been an interesting week because sometimes I feel like uh, it's weird, right? Because when we were, con- we were consulting, it was always like, what would it look, what would it feel like to work on something for a long term? And I think this is the longest project I've ever worked on, like a year and several months now. <laughs> uh, so sometimes oh, design, design collective as a whole, you mean? Yeah, yeah, as a whole. Like since I yeah, started, okay, sure. Because I started a year right. ago in in January. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so a little bit, a little bit over a year. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this is not getting old, but it just is what it is. Same thing every day. And now I've been away for for middle week. It's interesting now because I had the feeling of like I need to get back to it. Yeah, I I like working on stuff long term because it, I don't know it it doesn't feel repetitive to me. It feels like it's not like I'm working on a single project or anything. I'll, I'll work on a project for a week or a couple of weeks, however long it takes, and then move on to a different project. And it's like totally different sets of challenges and new things to figure out and learn. Yeah. So, yeah. And and there is something nice about getting to see that. We, we always talk about looking back six months and seeing how far you've come or whatever. Uh, but actually getting to see that, that growth in a single sustained project, I think is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's also cool to to uh, so we started using bear metrics for tracking metrics in, in terms of uh, subscriptions and money and forecasting and stuff. Bear metrics is a solid app, and uh, so I mean Stripe gives you some graphs, but it, it's not very useful if I'm being honest. 
Um, so it's interesting seeing some of the features we've been working on and some of the feature requests that we've had coming from salespeople. And after we implement them, um, I see a direct correlation to more stores being onboarded uh, just just quickly. So like that actually affects the bottom line. So that's really cool for me to see things uh, like have, have an idea, implement it and see the bottom line go up almost as a direct result. I mean, obviously people are still selling while you're working on the feature, but because that feature makes it so much easier uh, to onboard people, the bottom line goes up, which I thought was really cool. And I mean, a practical example of that was the, um, the Stripe Connect onboarding flow. So part of our onboarding is a store has to have their own Stripe account because that's how they get paid and that's how they um, accept charges. So they sign up for an account, they they go into the onboarding, so they add their store, their address, and their contact information, but they also have to, to connect their Stripe account. And so at that point, most of them don't actually have one yet. So if they don't have a Stripe account, they can create one as a part of the flow. And uh, what we learned was that you can actually pre-populate most of that Stripe form for the store because they've already filled it out in our form for the store information. So one feature, right? You, you just pass you just pass some query query string params yeah. to the Stripe URL that you generate, and then they they autofill all that stuff. And the reason we should talk about this a little oh, bit why yeah. we <laughs> discovered this. The reason is because that form is really poorly made. Yeah. To be totally honest, I've always been super super impressed with like everything Stripe does. Super high quality work. It's always really consistent. But this particular flow that we're using seems kind of um, uh, neglected, I guess. Mm-hmm. So when you type in your you type what is it your business name and auto completes your website name? Uh, or reverse. Way, I, reverse. Okay, so you, you type your website name and it auto completes your business name, but it like makes it all caps and ugly and weird looking, and then they have a character limit. And so if you have a reasonably long website name, it, it'll like almost any give you an error. Almost any and, website. Yeah, it, it'll give you an error message, and it, that's just like the default state the form is in. It's mm-hmm. really it's really really bad, but we were able to work around because we already have a lot of that information, so we just pass that along and it auto-fills it out. But if the person goes in and edits any of those, it actually Stripe will screw it up again. Their really? JavaScript is oh really gosh. bad on that page. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, it's the statement descriptor is what it auto-completes it to, which can only be 22 characters. And <sighs> yeah, so that was one thing. That was just a constant thing. And there was another bug that happened too. Uh, and again, I preface this with every Stripe is an awesome company and uh, they are the backbone of our marketplace. But... Um, there was a, there was a point in time where, uh, our sales guy was messaging me, Hey, this onboarding is broken. And I was like, what? So I started looking into it. He's like, yeah, people can't scroll. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it can't scroll. They can't click save because they can't scroll down to the save button. I was like, this is crazy. How is this possible? So I, I opened up our, my development environment, ran through it, got to the form and there was a media query that said overflow hidden on body. So you couldn't scroll to the bottom. Uh, and that, that like rocked my world and to, to their credit. Uh, so we they fixed it quick. They fixed it like within a couple hours. And this other issue we've been talking about, it's been months. We've we've contacted them several times about it and it just gets lost in the either. But this one where I, I was like, here is here's literally you can paste this CSS into your code and it will fix it. So I don't know <laughs> if I actually have code that I wrote writing on Stripe. But I gave them the fix. It's like this is the line that this is the line number that's broken. This is what you can replace it with to fix it. Please do it right now. And they, they got hilarious. to it pretty quickly. But but that, like, that's an example of a feature that affects the bottom line because it just makes it easy for users. And it's interesting because I've never really been in that position before, thinking about, okay, now we have a problem that a user, an actual user has. Because before, it's always been MVP stuff. With Octopus, it was always MVP, so you didn't have users. Yeah. You were acting off of assumptions. 
and it now was all ge- it was all guessing, and yeah. now we have actual bits of data, and we can see what's going wrong and what needs improvement. It's it's been really fun. I've I've enjoyed that. It's really tangible mm-hmm. to, to see how you're how you're helping people. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty fun. So I can't wait. I can't wait to get back to it this week. I haven't. I was gonna. I said I was gonna work more on it this weekend, that other site, but I didn't. I probably I might tonight, but don't let my boss find out. <laughs> So my dad was listening to that show and he texted me. He was like, I'm going to tell your boss right now. I was like, you better not. <laughs> uh, she's too busy to listen she's to this too show. Busy. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. But no, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I, I mean, maybe we should reach out to listeners and say if anyone has any questions about like being a CTO or being VP of engineering or like running stuff, basically. Did we decide that? Did we decide that's my title? I think it makes the most sense. Uh, All right. I think it, I like I like to call you the VP of engineering because that means that um, you fact check me on my code writing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just try to make decisions that steer us in the the right direction for the business. But it's a whole thing. Uh, maybe I can put. I don't know. Every article says something different about the distinction between the roles, but, um, but yeah, if anyone has any questions about like how we have that data between like what we use for analytics and how we make decisions based off that data. And mostly it's intercom messages <laughs> that come in. Uh, but like how things are run, you know, how things are structured, what our stack looks like, how we, you know, even our branching model, because we started with get flow and we changed it a little bit. Yeah, it would be cool to, to f- like know what people are interested in hearing, hearing us chat about in here, because I, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff we probably could talk about now. Um, yeah. With, with design collective alone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of, it's almost like hard to pick. Yeah. There's so many things that we touch from a day to day basis because both of us every day are writing back end and front end code mostly. Uh, between Elixir and, and JavaScript, so it's yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. Like the depth uh, or like the breadth of features that we're working on from any in any given day, even like multiple times a day, and um, how often we release. I guess it's that really. I don't know if it's like a bragging point. Like I hear companies be like, "Oh, we release ten times a day." I'm like, "Is that like okay? That's cool. If that works, you know, if there, if you have a good reason to be doing that, that seems fine." But yeah, I think it'd be cool to hear what people might be interested in in terms of like how we run things and how we approach things and how we test things and et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. so definitely just just uh just send a fax to two zero uh, hmm. <laughs> a fax. They have to go to their local Kinko's office to do that, and then even then, I think they have to pay money. <laughs> oh my god, does, does Kinko's still exist? Is that still a company? Yeah, they're around. Oh, poor Kinko's. You probably go to UPS store as well. I know they have those in Vermont. Um. But yeah, you just send a fax and we'll get to it whenever I get to the UPS store, which is never. Actually, I have a beef, I have a bone to pick with them anyway, because I don't know if they got a new driver or what, but they keep taking my crap to the wrong apartment. And whoever lives at that apartment, I don't know which one it is, they keep taking my packages inside, opening them up, and then putting them back outside. And uh, so this last time, I ordered a bunch of guitar strings, didn't come to my apartment. And for three days, I was like, okay, well, someone just jacked these guitar strings because they didn't put the package back um, to the front mm-hmm. of the apartment. What they did was they put it against the stinking fence in front of the apartment, and then it snowed three feet. So I was walking <laughs> to the grocery store, and I, look, I happened to look down, and I saw like this. <laughs> you see a bunch of guitar strings in a soggy box. In a soggy bag in the snow. Oh, God. <laughs> Who does that? Anyway, yeah. So maybe that's yeah, partly. I called, I called UPS. I was like, hey, you need to stop this. 
and they were like, we're sorry. And, um, yeah. So I don't know. He keeps taking my stuff. Like one was a big box and, uh, it clearly it has my name on it and it has my apartment number on it. So I don't know why people just grab a box and open it, but you would know if you do Maybe, maybe there's multiple people there and they're like, Oh, maybe my roommate opened this. But even then, why would you open this? Your roommate's box. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> That's really that's weird. That's really strange. I can rant about this for a while. I, yeah, I don't understand. I don't think I think people look at mail. They look at letters. We were talking about this a little bit in the Design Collective twist. People look at letters, right? But they don't look at packages. Oh, they just yeah. people see a package and they're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna open this package." Yeah, it's probably not malicious. I don't get it. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. I'm I'm not allowed to use right. my. Anyway, we got a we got a bunch of driving to do. We're on the okay. road full time now. So I got to drive and drive and drive before it gets dark. I'll talk to you later, man. I'll talk to you t- tomorrow is Monday. Already. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, I will be I'll right. be on the internet tomorrow, probably. Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Datadog for supporting the show. Datadog makes it easy to manage the firehose of data from all the systems in your tech stack. They work with over 200 popular apps and services by default and can easily be extended with custom integrations. Datadog provides a full suite of tools, including customizable dashboards, anomaly detection, and more to help you visualize and act on all that data. Visit datadog.com slash does not compute to start your free trial. When you make your first dashboard, they'll send you a free Datadog t-shirt. Thanks, Datadog.